hey guys welcome to the latest episode of the saas sessions podcast uh, today we have ashwin krishna on the show with us ashwin is a b2b marketing and growth leader with strong commercial acumen and a 15 year track record inspiring teams to deliver hyper growth in saas companies across the middle east apac and the usa currently he is the head of growth and marketing at tact.ai ai is putting sellers first with human friendly crm solutions that are frictionless connected and prescriptive tact.ai is also backed by axel redpoint honeywell salesforce amazon ventures and more so hey ashwin such a pleasure to have you on the show absolutely sunil i think first of all and thanks for the opportunity i've been listening to some of the podcasts it's great to see you've been sharing you know how the traction has been mm-hmm. i think that is one data point to sort of clearly that indicates that the saas market is exploding and you right. know the public data point truly says that the valuations for saas companies are all time high all time right so while some of the industries like airlines are re- really having headwinds but saas in the other end of the spectrum truly has tailwinds and it's not just the valuations it's also about the amount of adoption uh, for software right i think adoption for digital has truly accelerated by possibly a couple of years actually but totally never been exciting time <laughs> to be in the world of saas exactly and i think 2020 was a great year for uh, saas as a whole and plus the podcast saas sessions podcast as well we kind we hit a great milestone of having 10000 listeners listening to the show so i think that that also shows or that also validates that like more and more people want to learn about saas they want to know more like how other companies how other saas companies are you know driving traction doing gtm and you know building their product teams building the customer success teams and you know like they want to learn from more and there are more and more people who are coming of you know more and more saas leaders who are coming and you know speaking out as well sharing all the knowledge that they've got it it's it's kind of helps the entire ecosystem grow as well right yeah, especially in india so you know thanks a lot. and that that comes to a point like you as being a leader in saas like you also you know thanks a lot for coming on the show and taking your time to do this and share your knowledge about expanding and selling saas products in the global markets right so uh, today i want to specifically discuss with you like you know how do you how do you choose like one market to to sell your saas company market is still a big thing like you know you can do apac middle east emea and us and all all of these are very different and even if you consider like say one big market which is emea the you can go double click on that and you can go deep dive into running gtm for each specific countries right because emea is a big market and each of the individual country in emea would you know respond differently to 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 saas and how they deal with what what is the persona in the persona in germany would be different than the persona in let's say uk or something like that so really excited to discuss this with you so let's since i was talking about persona right let's uh, let's maybe you know deep dive into that how do you select uh, the right person you know before going into any market right well, because i've seen that you know uh, a few roles that are there in the us those those the same roles they would they would be called something different their responsibilities would be something different if you come to emea if you go if you go down under in australia and new zealand the roles would be very different right and the the responsibilities would be shared and something like that so how do you select you know a right persona for for the company and then you know going into that particular market sure so i think uh, first of all uh, congratulations on getting a great milestone with your podcast uh, i wish you the best actually for the future okay. as well thank you mm-hmm. <clears throat> sure so and i so rightly said finding the right people right finding the icp the ideal customer profile and once you know what type of company you want to go after the second critical step is to figure out the right 
people right right people are the right buying committee to go after actually mm-hmm. at the end of the day no matter whether you are enterprise or smb saas company your buyers are going to be human factors right so you know it's funnily called as b2b marketing but i call it as b2h and you know often you know, people are accepting this fact that you don't have to tell boring stories boring stories right because it's b2b so primarily primarily right the lens which we can use to pick the right personas are take a step back and figure out what are the key jobs which your product would solve right what are the key jobs your product would essentially solve uh, our key objectives in, in other words right our jobs mm-hmm. if i want to you know if if you allow me to talk a little bit more about jobs this whole idea of or a whole framework of jobs to be done uh, mm-hmm. by professor clayton is possibly arguably one of the easiest and the most effective framework you can use to build the entire brand actually right and again coming back to persona it's all it's all about what are the key jobs your product would essentially touch base truly solve for example so we were selling e-commerce or a omni channel commerce platform for large retailers uh, across across the asia actually so that was product so when you look at the persona right so primarily again if you take a step back and see you know, what are the jobs our platform or product was trying to solve so mm-hmm. it was essentially helping brands to go online it was helping them to acquire engage transact and retain their customers in you know, omni channel world both online as well as in store mm-hmm. so those are the top two jobs right so all we have to do is then what all we did is you know, map this jobs with the personas who will be the people who will be responsible you know who will be the people who will have you know these jobs as the kpis right? okay. so one way to so one thing which would differ in terms of uh, you know geographies right let's say in the us or let's say compared to india you know i will go back to let's say three or four years back but i'll sort of try and share a learning or a bit of a framework which will be helpful for let's say other industries too is the number one thing is looking at the market maturity right looking at the market maturity the personas would differ a bit let's say we were in this omni channel commerce space us was quite mature and india was possibly 3 years you know lagging behind right mm-hmm. so what it means is in the us there were specific people who were hired for omni channel commerce right while in india there were other folks let's say the digital marketing folks or uh, let's say brand leaders mostly digital marketing folks were also given the task of running a e-commerce store actually right so dream.com/marketplaces mm-hmm. that's because you know market was not mature and then people were not ready to sort of hire and while they had a vision some companies had this whole fancy thing saying you know I want to go omni channel but they didn't have the commitment and a long term vision to say hey it's not just about talking about it but it's also about hiring the right people investing in long term and you know, it's a platform and then you know stay patient and then ensuring you know, you keep the customer in the center right mm-hmm. uh, so one key kin which would differentiate whom we are going to talk to is the market maturity actually so the more mature the market is for your product that market will have more folks in the buying committee especially there will be specialists or experts again going back to the same product right so we were not able to let's say we we essentially tried flirting with us we wanted to see if we have a product market fit uh, we figured out we didn't have because when we spoke to some of these uh, e-commerce sites or the omni channel commerce sites their viewpoint their world of view about what a omni channel commerce really mean 
is very different than this digital marketing but it's a brand leaders who were also trying to set up a e-com store uh, was completely different actually mm-hmm. uh, hence the more the depth the personas will also be you know very very specialized right very specialized in nature so that's one learning so based on the market maturity your personas would change uh, if the market is not very mature you possibly also have to go and find out some proxies right some proxy profiles who will be possibly managing who will be possibly your buyers actually makes sense but but when you look at the enterprise space yeah there are multiple buyers uh, so you will end up talking to most of the folk right and while there will be a functional leader who will be you know one basic framework is this right so there will be a business user or a functional user slash buyer let me call it as functional buyer so that's one right so that, those are the ones who will have the budget and your typical internal it or a cio uh, org would be very strong influencer because they'll be one they'll be the one who will evaluate it for evaluate the platform for scalability security reliability etc mm-hmm. and of course there would be the managers or the cxo minus 1 cxo minus 2 who would typically end up selecting uh, shortlisting a set of uh, vendors actually so we have to ensure mm-hmm. all three four of this you know personas Mm-hmm. have to be well balanced you can't cross the line of a of an influencer or a a manager who is shortlisting the vendor and then directly jump on board and directly talk to you so because i have the budget but i am not going to manage the day to day operations please have a chat with you know my e-commerce manager right who would possibly be your point of contact so this is not related to geography but i just want to talk about how do you yeah. manage different personas it's not just about buyer you also have to balance influencer users you know bring all of them on the same page at mm-hmm. the right time so that you are the, the decision making cycle accelerates make uh, i think you bring a very great point right like uh, let's say even when you're selling a crm as a product right like the the buyer is the vp sales or you know someone in the cxo level but the actual user is 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 going to be like a sales manager or a territory sales manager or an enterprise sales rep right so how do you differentiate between like you know on the on based of basis of a role you can definitely differentiate between a buyer versus a user right but then how do you market to both of them right as you rightly mentioned you need to show the buyer the roi the economic impact how much time it's going to save them and and all the benefits that they're going to get right but for the user it's going to be more on the usability as Aspect, right like how easier it is for them to uh, get things done and how easier it is to for them to log because crm as a as a product like the users hate putting all the data into the crm right like they they don't want to put in like many entries and stuff like that is what i heard but like you know talking about marketing specifically right like how would you market or how would you do marketing on different channels to a buyer versus how would you do a marketing on like different channels to the user right because uh, as you mentioned right you do, you also want to please the influencer you also want to please the user who's going to be eventually using the product that that you're trying to sell in, in with respect to the crm right yeah that's a great the whole idea of keeping the influencer and the buyer not just yeah so buyer influencer and the user right? so three folks keeping all the three folks on the same page is very important i think the way to do it is the same gdpr framework right so mm-hmm. so the job or the objectives of let's say a uh, head of sales ops while buying a crm versus the jobs of a vp sales who is potentially an influencer and the jobs for a sales manager or a sales rep is slightly different actually so sales ops function is to ensure one they get right amount of data so that they can project the revenue they can so for projecting the revenue so they need data 
for data to happen, they need CRM adoption actually. So those are the jobs, right? So those are the jobs for sales ops. For sales head or a VP sales, it's very simple, right? They just want their team to fit the quota, quarter and quarter. Very, very simple. And how you do it, how the product or platform helps them to do it, that's totally up to us. I know how we communicate, but the fundamental aspect we should understand is the jobs actually. And for a user, as you rightly said, it's all about how easy it is to use. Is it mobile first mm -hmm. or uh, how many clicks it will take? It's more tactical, but when we market, I think number one is to you know tease out this messaging for different personas very specifically. And then you know, typically your influencers are the one who will sometimes you know go and you know go to a website and you know sign up so that uh, so they were the one who would have time, right? So influencers, what I mean is for us, let's say even within sales ops or while the whole org has a budget, influencer for us would be the sales ops manager actually, right? So who will be potentially doing the shortlisting. So for them, you know, we will be very, very, very specific about, you know, how will sales ops can become successful in CRM adoption, things like that. So the moment we get, get the foot in the door, right? So that's when the salesperson has the, as an ambassador to do marketing, within the org actually, right? Within the org, you know, figuring out uh, at the right time, who are the other folks in the committee, ask them you know, whether they can all be uh, asked to join a call. So I think marketer's job is to really, you know, potentially, you know, be there, be there in the digital channels, or let's say on the email, talking to different folks about jobs, but, you know, typically the influencers are the one who will do the vendor evaluation. So, Marketers spend the most time to, you know, sort of do an outreach and sort of get a meeting with them. Of course, and sometimes decision makers also agree. But the point which a lot of the companies don't do is they end their marketing after they get the meeting, actually. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think we have to extend the conversation, extend the conversation with the sales team to understand who are the other folks who are going to be the potential people and try and find a way, it may not be directly through email, but can we put them on a campaign, brand campaign on LinkedIn and very, you know, indirectly sort of try and, you know, push a few ads, which talks about, let's say the, uh, mostly the trust building ads, right? You know, the kind of customers we work with, the kind of scalability that we have, the things like that. So when they actually sit beside in, you know, for a conversation, somewhere in their mind, they should believe that, okay, I know this company, right? These guys seem to be, this folks seems to be reliable folks. Uh, because they have seen some ads, they have built some perception. So that's the whole key, actually. So in enterprise setup, especially, it, the marketing would not end when you get in touch with one of the personas, but the marketing will extend uh, till the till the whole deal closes, right? But we have to be very careful because we can't, you know, we can't go overboard. We can't cross the line because, you know, there are the political or the power center struggles will also be there. Right? We have to keep that in mind, but. That's where you know, you've got to work with the sales reps, motivate them to get all the contacts, you know, for that specific account and see, you know, what can we communicate to respective people or one simple thing is, you know, put all of them in a campaign, let's say on a LinkedIn, try and find a way to you know, run some, you know, display campaigns for them actually. Makes sense. Very, very interesting. So uh, now once we have, let's say, known the buyer, right? And who's the buyer, who's the influencer, who's the user, we have kind of marketed them. Once we have this strategy there, so how do you how do you actually you know get to know the market as well, right? Like because let's say you are expanding to EMEA and you are expanding to APAC, so how do you get to know okay who is the who 
what kind of buyers are there in EMEA, what kind of influencers are there in EMEA, what kind of users are there in EMEA. Because there, there would be some differences in, in let's say, all the all different markets and each of these three users would have the same objective in the end. But then, you know, there, there would be some role differences, there would be some process changes and how they buy the product and how they acquire, how they, you know, procure a, a, a tool inside the company. All these these things matter, right? And how you deliver your marketing to them also is where, would change market to market. So how do you, in, in this scenario, like once we know who's the buyer, who's the influencer, who's the user, how do you get to know a particular market? Let's say, for example, APAC, right? Like how do you get to know like the APAC market? <coughs> Sure. So again, to be very specific about understanding uh, the buying committees in different countries, I think the best way to do it is go out there and do the primary research, right? So, so one, if you, let's say, have a brand in, let's say, US, and they also have, you know, and you know, they're a happy customer, and they also have a presence in Southeast Asia, and you want to get into Southeast Asia. So talk to the brand folks, talk to, let's say, some of your uh, folks who've already bought the product you know, from the US, ask them, hey, can you get me references there? You know, we don't want to sell, we just want to understand them all. So go through some of your existing customers who have who have a big presence and then, you know, go and you know, request them to make connects so that, you know, if you're going through a reference, then it's a lot easier and people would give more information. So that's number one. So second is, uh, uh, so talk to some of the partners, right? Uh, talk to some of your potential partners who might be uh, who might be the right you know win-win partner for your you know for you in the, in the specific region because those are the ones who uh, potentially have sold stuff right because for example in the middle east especially in countries like saudi right you will not be able to enter the market unless you have a the local partner actually because these are this folks who are in the region for very long time some of them you know sell pretty much everything all the way from uh, uh, hardware to software, software maintenance to whatnot, actually. So I think number two reference is, you know, talk to some of your partners in the region who have a deep presence and, you know, also try and, you know, strike the relationship saying, hey, you know, we are exploring this region. We would like to have you as you know, one of your, one of the early partners. So let's talk and we want to understand the market and then ask them those, you know, ask them those concerns or questions you have, right? And also through your network, actually go to LinkedIn, you know, just doing a, bit of, you know, uh, intelligence in figuring out, okay, go to the company, see if you're trying to sell an e-commerce product. So search for marketing, see what are the different profiles, what are the designations you can find in a in a typical ICP, right? Are there digital profiles? Uh, are there profiles which is very specific to, let's say, so I think spending a few minutes or a few hours uh, on LinkedIn and those similar platforms, I think can, you know, reveal, you know, very specific on-ground information, right? Whether you know, there are similar profiles, are there different profiles, or you can just go and read what, uh, let's say, individual is actually responsible for. Now for us, uh, <clears throat> as I said, based on the market maturity, some of the marketing folks were taking care of e-commerce. And then the way we figured out is, again, speaking to you know, customers, counterparts, we spoke to a bunch of partners, we did a bunch of research around LinkedIn to figure out. I also spoke to, so I, I as an individual, right? We mm-hmm. also went and spoke to people you know, connected with them on LinkedIn, requested them, hey, we want to understand the market, you know, can you spend mm-hmm. some time? Mm-hmm. I think primary research is possibly the best way to 
get the right information, right? So no matter how much, you know, of course you can speak to analysts, again, analysts, especially in the uh, emerging markets in Southeast Asia or India market, it's very hard to find analysts who actually know the market well. Uh, a lot of the times, in fact, analysts used to talk to us, say, hey, you know, we want to understand more about this market because we just don't have, you know, an army of analysts, you know, tracking the market, right? right. So analysts are very, you know, it's very challenging to, actually get to know, you know, the almost like the freedom state kind of information or ongoing information. So the best is to do family research, LinkedIn, partners, some of the customer references. Makes sense. Well, interesting, right? And great approach, I think. The customers and the partner approach is really great because those people are right at your uh, doorstep, right? Like you already have a good connect with them. Like you just have to like extend your ask and just, just you know, on, a, on an exploring basis, you need to connect with like different areas or different geos that they are present in as well. That's a really good uh, point. So, and then, you know, just, just delivering marketing, right? Like uh, in these, now we have identified the person, we have identified, let's say the market and how it works, getting to know about that particular market. And then when, when it actually comes to delivering, like, you know, your marketing activities or doing, you know, different campaigns in that market, so how important is like, you know, localization and personalization in each of these markets, right? Because let's say in this case, if you take EMEA, this it's very hard to generalize your marketing for the entire uh, Europe, right? Because each country would speak different languages and it's very, it becomes, uh, you know, essentially it becomes very difficult to like, you know, pers like localize your, your marketing to Germany, localize it to Spain, localize it to Italy, localize it to Portugal, if you're, if you're selling in those countries. So, so how important in, you know, it, it is like, you know, how important is localization and personalization in, in, you know, different in one market, but then there are small different parts of the market as well, which, which, you know, would, would consume your content differently. I would take a step back right? I'll possibly take a step back and figure out. Uh, so it's very important to uh, understand before you even enter the market. So you typically have options. Imagine the classical SaaS playbook is built from India, mostly, you know, go and sell in the US, right? Everybody wants to do that, right? And then it's acceptable because they don't value the ACVs are much, much higher. So I think it's very important to, even before you talk about marketing, it's very important to be clear about where is the opportunity, right? Where does the opportunity truly lies? I think for which uh, we have to be very mindful of, you know, how do you put a method to this whole madness? Should we go and sell in the US or should we go and sell in the Middle East or should we go and sell in the, let's say the Australian market or a, let's say Southeast Asian market, right? Uh, I think it's not just about marketing, it's the entire value chain, right? All the way from product market fit, do you have the sales capacity, do you have the marketing capacity, do you have the customer success, right? And end of the day, we have to stack up all the things one beside the other and look at the big picture, actually. Even before you enter the market, I think it's very important to just be mindful saying, let's say, you know, I have opportunity of, let's say, three regions. You know, one framework that what I have used is, you know, looking at the, looking at, you know, five, six parameters, right? In order to prioritize which market you want to go after, actually. You know, practically, right? So the number one is, so one is a latent demand. Under demand, I would say latent demand is a uh, sub bullet point, I would say. So latent demand is all about, let's say you are right now catering to customers in India and some of your customers are global brands and they pull you into specific geographies. Right? So that happened in capillary. So someone like in India, wherever 
one of our first customers that said, hey, you, you folks are doing a great job. So do you mind working with us in Singapore as well? Right? So we didn't really expect that this would happen. So one is the latent demand. So figure out signals where, for example, your existing customers pulling you into specific directions saying, hey, can you also work with us in this specific country? Right. So that's one. Second is another way to uh, do a pulse check on the latent demand is the, the inbound, right? The inbound queries you're getting. If you just look at the your analytics, you know, the kind of the relevant traffic you're getting, why do you might be catering to India? What if a lot of the folks are coming on your blog from the US or let's say in the Southeast Asia and they're reading about it? Mm-hmm. <coughs> so that's also another signal for a latent demand, right? And the, th- and the third is the real demand. Actually. The real demand is uh, one way to look at is I can talk to partners in some of that. But quantitatively, you can essentially figure out uh, looking at the search volume, especially there are commoditized markets like CRM, uh, where we play. We can clearly see, let's say, if you want to enter, you have a choice between Southeast Asia and Middle East. So we can just put up, stack out what is the search volume across this geographies actually for, let's say, bottom of the funnel keywords. And for us, again, to give an example, back in capillary, the search volumes in the Middle East was almost one fourth compared to the search volume in the Southeast Asia. So what it meant was the demand signal, you know, was showing that in the Southeast Asia has, uh, you know, better demand actually. But I'll just right. come back to this, you know, I'll, I'll tie this back to the whole personalization, localization angle, which you just mentioned. So number one is demand actually. And then number two is definitely, you know, how mature the market is. You know, I, I just spoke about how US and India was different. So that is also very, very important. So let's say you are a, product which is for an early adopter or for a market which is very mature mm-hmm. then you have to be mindful about picking your market as well right you can't if you go to a market which is not very mature uh, it takes a lot of time to educating them and uh, it might take sometimes in years to get the market right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and third is the competition right again i don't want to talk a lot about it but you have to figure out not just the global players, you know, having their tentacles, but also the local players, you know, sometimes yeah. say in the Middle East, as I said, there are partners who are in turn selling the products. So competition is you know, definitely important. That's the third thing or the fourth thing uh, you should look at. And then fourth is the company readiness, right? So mm-hmm. are you ready as a company to cater to the market? Do you have that? Do you have the budget? Do you have the, you know, investment or the funding to really make that happen? I think number one is to really figure out and you know, having this very simple framework about how do you pick the right market even before you launch actually right? so that you are absolutely clear across the board you are ready from the product from the team from the competition you know the market readiness and some of that actually so once you know okay let's say you know the latent demand is very high in southeast asia or in the middle east it's all about doing the test and expanding i think one thing to do is just have a launch team you know right and one sales and one marketing person, right? So you can just go and spend a month in the market, right? So talk to a bunch of partners, talk to a bunch of you know, prospective customers. Maybe you can also dedicate some budget uh, where we can, let's say, run SEM campaigns and LinkedIn or email campaigns. So set up those meetings so that in that one month potential period, right? Or let's say we can even stretch it to a quarter, uh, go and do real analysis, right? real validation about you know, what's the market looking like, you know, whether the product is ready or do we need to do any specific local integrations and so on and so forth, actually. So once you're clear, right, once you're clear 
that's is the market to go after then it's all about execution actually right. uh, the execution becomes a lot simpler uh, when you're done a lot of the groundwork uh, across the border it's not just from a marketing point of view from product integrations and things like that mm-hmm. so for example for us in we wanted to launch in thailand actually so thailand you know we said it's one of the lucrative markets we were already in some countries in southeast asia we said it's a natural extension you know however we didn't get the market right for a good 6 to 9 months so then we figured out why we had a social crm product it was not taking off because social in thailand was viber so viber is this another social network it was the number 2 i think it was possibly number 1 for some time it was much you know it was much famous than the facebook actually back then right so the moment we figured out the integration with viber was important so then the conversations became a lot easier marketing became a lot easier because you know we were ready as a product right so i think it all starts with the product and you know rest of the other things i spoke and yeah, then it's all about execution i think the utopian case is for any marketer is to build this you know locally relevant and globally scalable framework and i will possibly quote a couple of examples which we learned right which we learned mm-hmm. i know i'll just tie back to the search volumes in the middle east and in the southeast asia right so we found out this one by hard way saying i know digital is not going to work in middle east actually especially in countries like saudi where they are sort of largely under the firewall in a sense that they are not very mature they don't know <coughs> a lot about uh, e-commerce you know while uh, people are buying stuff on marketplaces but so that's when you know we realized digital will not digital as a gtm will possibly not work in middle east so that's when we spent time to you know forge a whole bunch of partnerships we also had a local uh, joint venture signed it was not from the marketing point of view but we sort of drove that happen that we sort of made that happen saying you know for gtm to work digital will not work actually so after a very long you know period out say you know 3 to 4 years we were able to pack uh, the middle east region because we went through the the whole gtm was centered and anchored around partnerships actually Well, an interesting really, another example right another quick example in indonesia uh, so we were running campaigns in in english you know while bahasa is a, is a local language in indonesia and campaigns were working actually so we said fine uh, why do we have to worry much about a new language we did a ab testing and then we didn't see much difference then we did it well when we did it when we of course went the route saying you know let's do it in english because we had this blind spot Okay, campaigns are working in English, so let's also do the event in English actually. Unfortunately, the event was not a smashing success. Even though we had a full house, even though we had the right personas in the room, half the battle was won. But another half, in terms of getting the content right, the panel and people were the speakers were just not opening up actually. So we could sense that we could just sense that they were not at their best, right? So well, can I say? And then what we did the next event. we ensured the panel moderator and also the introductions and everything was done in bahasa and it was i would say 80% bahasa and 20% english right and you know we, we can just see the difference pivotal difference in terms of and how people were opening up uh, they were at their best right they were at their best in terms of and you know, sharing their learnings and they were passionate about you know what they're talking So I think one simple learning, right? People might be okay to, you know, while writing and reading, they were okay in English, but while conversing, they were not comfortable in English. Actually, so so this is one another example, right? Where 
these are the lungs we can only get when you go and talk to people actually right. so i was there i was talking to a few cxos you know they were just not responding to me right so <laughs> even though there were you know folks some folks were cmos so my expectation was you know, they will they'll be very good in english you know the first event as i said you know they were not talking you know even i also you know experienced it first time they were just not ready to speak in english right so they were just right. uh, responding to answers but they're not striking conversation yeah makes sense really interesting points uh, there ashwin and i really pick uh, like the phrase that you mentioned building like locally le- relevant and globally scalable strategies right <laughs> i think i'm going to pick uh, pick that, that one as a, as a topic because i i really like that phrase so yeah i think you know i would love to go on and on and talking about about this this particular topic but you know we have reached the course of this episode and you know let's quickly shift on to the lightning round so i'm going to ask you like three questions and um, you have to answer with whatever is on top of your mind so yeah the first one like what's the one fundamental change that you are making in your job in 2021 i would say number one is uh, focus right so focus is absolutely important because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have everything around you which will distract you especially if you are connected from home you know your family you you have an opportunity to binge binge watch an opportunity to eat a lot mm-hmm. so everything the whole world is conspiring you to you know to distract right so i think number one learning agenda for me is to, to stay focused mm-hmm. not in terms of just a job but also ensuring uh, you stay focused on let's say you know picking one campaign and go deep so things like that right you know that so this is also a time where uh, testing times you know for the industry right you know, and for right. the companies i think it's very important to maximize on every campaign or every initiative you do rather than spread yourself too thin actually interesting see so, yeah, a second one what's the one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve very very simple you know i would <laughs> say talk to people <laughs> talk to right people actually yeah i think it's the same uh, for me as well <laughs> You're doing it right now, <laughs> and you're smart. Yeah. You know, you're learning, and then you're also building your plan. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And and it yeah. works, and it's validated. So yeah. <laughs> I do read. I I also do read a lot. Uh, I I also watch stuff, but mm-hmm. I also ensure I I read diverse set of things. Right. It's not just SaaS actually. Right. So I also read B two C marketing. I read stuff around uh, direct to consumer. uh literally everything possible i read about cryptocurrency and some of them i don't understand <laughs> but down the line i read about the arts i read about social innovation you know down the line you'll be able to connect a lot of the dots right, right? so learnings from a let's say amul right amul as a company and then i read this beautiful book called i too had a dream and how this how this guy who was you know very sophisticated how did he actually build a cooperative or a social enterprise uh, which is arguably now one of the largest right largest in asia actually mm-hmm. uh, so i read stuff which is diverse and i talk to people nice that's amazing and and then my last one right like what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started okay i think a bunch actually a bunch of it i think one is so the functional skill set will take time right so functional knowledge about the industry etc that is something you will only get over a period of time but one thing let's say before you know let's say you know i just started my job some of the basics right so one is you know how do you 
how do you communicate you know what you're doing right so how do you communicate and how do you ask for help so communication under communication but there are multiple things one is how do you communicate what you're doing how do you ask for help because again that's one quick way to knock roadblocks out of your way and otherwise the whole week you'll be working on something and then the answer for some of the challenges would be just you know help from someone right so asking for help you know communicating in a very clear way i think these are the couple of things which i wish i would have learned from day one right that would possibly accelerate in my career in multiple x because functional knowledge will take time i, I don't wish i had all the functional knowledge i have now uh, on day one that's not possible but i'm talking more about softer aspects right you know how do you ask the right questions how do you communicate to people very very interesting i think that's a good uh, good learning uh, to have so yeah th- thanks a lot ashwin for taking time today and you know coming and sharing all these amazing insights with us and great great examples of you know your own from your own personal experience on how did you go to that particular market expand and you know selling the right persona and how do you personalize and localize your activities to towards them right so really interesting and i really love loved all the insights that you shared so yeah thanks thanks a lot for you know taking time today absolutely sir thanks for the opportunity again mm-hmm. i wish all your uh, subscribers listeners the best and then yeah i think we're just getting started from i think we still have you know 100 times more opportunity uh, in totally. terms of the depth of the market right software is still not done there's still so much on on-premise and then yeah saas is going to eat all that away actually totally <laughs> software is eating the world <laughs> yeah yeah that was saas is eating software <laughs> yeah awesome